Parshas Tzav, like Parshas Vayikra, is largely about Karbanas, which we don't really practice in contemporary times, but also like Parshas Vayikra, there are some halachas that have ramifications outside the sphere of Karbanas. And tonight again, we're going to study some of these halachas, which are actually emerge from the discussion of Karbanas and Tzav, which are crucially important, which are actually very timely as well. So in the parsha it says, it discusses the laws of the Chattas. It says, Zos Taras Chattas. It tells you, in some ways, it's like an Ola. It's Kodesh Kadashim, Holy of Holies. The Torah then goes on, proceeds to give some of the laws of Karban Chattas. And then it gives three halachas that are as follows. It says, Kol Asher Yigab of Sar Yiktash, or four halachas, Anything that touches the meat, that absorbs from the meat, becomes Kodesh. It has the status of the carbon. If the carbon has a more stringent status than the meat that touched it, it acquires the stringent status of the carbon. If the dam, the blood of the carbon, is sprinkled, it, is, uh, it comes into contact with a garment, then the garment has to be scrubbed, has to be laundered, in a holy place inside the, inside the courtyard of the temple. Then it says, Uchlicheres, or the t- tabernacle, Uchlicheres, Tevushal Bo Yishaver, an earthenware kli that was used to cook the meat of the carbon chattas has to be broken, destroyed after the cooking is done. If it is cooked in a vessel of copper, then Umorak Vashuta Apamayim, it just has to be cleansed with water. So we have three halachas here, four halachas here. The first is that any food that, that, that touches the meat, yiktash, it gets the sanctified status of the chattas. So if you have a piece of regular meat, regular ordinary meat that touches the meat of the chattas and it absorbs from the meat of the chattas, that, that becomes, that, that has to be treated like a chattas as well. We have a second halacha is that a garment that comes into contact with the blood of the chattas has to be scrubbed inside the courtyard of the temple or the tabernacle. A klicheres that was used to cook the meat has to be shattered, broken, and a metal keli, nechoshes, or any other metal as understood by chazal, has to be cleansed with water. Cleansed with water. Now these are, on one level, these are halachas that are specific to karbanos. They have nothing to do with the laws of kashering, the laws of the laws of kosher that we have today. So, for example, the law of laundering the garment inside the courtyard of the, of the Mishkan or of the Beis HaMikdash, that has nothing to do with kosher. You're not eating the baguette. You're not using it to prepare food. That has nothing to do with the laws of kosher as we know it. It has to be scrubbed. That's a special halacha the Torah said with regard to the sanctity of the blood of the chattas. If it comes into contact with a garment, the garment has to be scrubbed. And not just scrubbed anywhere. It has to be scrubbed in the courtyard of the Mishkan. The klicheres the, the and the klinachoshes that have to be broken, destroyed, and cleansed with water, respectively, those halachas are really a hybrid of the laws of kashras and special laws of chattas. On the one hand, these are special halachas that have to do with karbanas. They have, they have to be done inside the chatzar of the Mishkan as well, the, 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 the azara of the Beis Mikdash as well, as understood by Chazal. They have certain elements of special halachas pertaining to, uh, to karbanas, even if you want to just get rid of your cheres, put it in the garbage, it's not good enough, it has to be brought back to the azara and ritually broken there. On the other hand, the Chazal understood, the sages of the Talmud and the Midrash understand, that, that these halachas also reflect the rules of kashering, the rules of rendering kalem kosher if they come into contact with non-kosher food. 
the carbon the carbon chattas is not non-kosher. It, it's, of, it's of course perfectly kosher, assuming it's a kosher carbon, but the, assuming there was nothing puzzle invalid about the carbon, but the chattas becomes no sir. The, the, the carbonos all have a timer. They all have an expiration date that, you know, good, good by, good until uh, only a day or two after the shechita, kachim kalim, typically two days in one night, kachim kadashim is just that day, the day of the shechita and the following night. After that, they become no sir. They have to be burned. So we know that kalim, a fundamental aspect of halacha, of the laws of foods and halacha, is that kalim that are used to cook, that come into contact in a, in a hot context with food, they absorb from the food. We, we call that bolea, it absorbs. And the keli then is considered to contain some, 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 some aspect of the food itself. That, if it's a carbon, that food then becomes noser. When the timer expires, the timer continues to tick, even though the food has been absorbed into the keli, that food becomes noser. It's actual noser that's sitting on, a, on the table has to be burned, but the noser that was absorbed into the keli, Chazal understand, that's what triggers this halacha, that the keli has to be, if it's klicheres, it has to be destroyed, it has to be broken. If it is metal, it can be cleansed with water, which is the procedure that we call kashering hagala, the procedure that we often do before Pesach, we have boiling vats of water that we either put kalim into or we pour it on our counters and sinks and so on. This is the, the well-known procedure of kashering the Torah is alluding to over here. This is not the only place the Torah references kashering. The, the other place is in the Battle of Midian at the end of Chumash Bamidbar where, the, where they plundered kalim of the Midianites and they brought them back to the, to the camp and, uh, and God commanded anything that was used with fire is kashered with fire. Things that we use with water are kashered with water. The famous rule, like kibolo kachpolto, we kasher, generally speaking, using, using a modality that's similar to the way in which the keli was used, in which it absorbed its problematic contents. Here, too, in Parsha Sav, the Torah is alluding to the laws of kashering. Again, there are other, demel- there are other elements besides kashering. The garment and the blood has nothing to do with kashering as we know it. And even the klicheres and the klinachoshet, it's not simple kashering. It has to be done on the, in the courtyard of the temple. Even if you don't want to use the keli, you can't just throw it away. You have to ritually break it. But basically, the difference between klicheres and klinachoshet, between earthenware kalim and between metal kalim, copper is an example, the difference is that metal kalim can be kashered. Metal kalim, what we call hagala or kashering, we use hot water to uh, kasher the keli. Assuming it was used with hot water like it was, it was used to cook, it was used with hot water, we kasher it by putting the keli in a bigger keli of hot water. But if it was a klicheres, we do not kasher it, we break it, we, we, we break it, it, it klicheres cannot be kashered. Rashi brings that, that the reason for these dinam are because the blias, the absorbed part, aspect of the carbon, becomes noser. And Rashi says that why do we find cheres is treated differently? Klicheres, there's no, the, the klicheres, there's no option of kashering. Rashi says, the, the Torah is alluding to the fact here that klicheres is ena klicheres can never be purified, can never be cleansed of, of, of that which it absorbs. That's the principle that the sages derive from this, from, from this parasha, from this distinction between klicheres and klinachoshes. And this is a fundamental rule with profound practical consequences for the laws of kasheres, that metal kalim can be kashered, earthenware kalim cannot be kashered. The Gemara makes this point in various places, including in the Gemara in Psachim. The Gemara in Psachim, reasonably enough, discusses many halachas of Pesach, including the laws of Kasher and Kalim for Pesach. So the Gemara talks about certain kinds of earthenware Kalim, 
Mani Dekunya, certain types of earthenware vessels. Can you kasher them for Pesach? So the Gemara says that the answer is, the answer is no. The answer is they, they absorb, and once, once, once these earthenware kalim absorb their contents, their chametz contents, when you use them all year, they cannot be kashered. Why? Because the Torah has testified, the Torah has asserted and taught us that klicheres is any yotzmi de dafyo v'la'olam. Klicheres never leaves its state of dafyo, its state of its problematic state, its state of being contaminated with problematic uh, absorption. So the Pasuk in Pasha Sab is talking about the Kodesh that it absorbed, which then became Noser and becomes Aser. The same halacha the Gemara assumes applies to Chametz as well. If a keli, if a klicheres, an earthenware keli was used for Chametz, it absorbs the Chametz and it, it can never be sufficiently purified by halachic standards and therefore earthenware kalim cannot be used on Pesach, there is, no, there is no option, there is no possibility of kashering earthenware for Pesach. The Mishnah and the Talmud Bavli in Zvachim, Masech Zvachim, so Masech Zvachim is about Zvachim, about Karbanas, that's where the, the Talmud, the Mishnah and the Talmud actually discuss the, the laws of Arparsha, the laws of, of, of kalim that we use to cook Karbanas, what you do with them, so the mission there brings this halacha. You have to break. You have to you have to break the kalim if they are. You have to you have to cash them if they're if they're not cheres. Whether they actually whether they were actually used to cook or whether they just came in contact with a hot uh, a hot uh, you poured a hot carbon into them. Either way, they need to be cashered. The gemara said the, the the gemara derives this. The gemara says the gemara goes on to discuss various halachas. One of the things the gemara discusses is whether there's really any possibility. Of kashering, of kashering cheres. The Gemara proposes that there is actually a means of kashering cheres. The Gemara brings that there. The, the Gemara discusses an oven. Their ovens were typically made of cheres. Their ovens were their, their ovens were typically made of cheres. The Gemara brings a brisa that says it is possible to kasher a cheres oven. The Gemara says that the that if an oven was used to cook. If the oven had, if an oven had, the ovens were usually used for bread, let's say. But if you if you used uh, you used fat, oil from uh, from an animal to to rub down your oven, then the oven becomes fleshic, The bread becomes osir. You're not allowed to make fleshic bread, so the the oven becomes problematic. So the so the the gemara the brisa says though that if you fire up the oven once the oven is reheated, that cleanses the oven, kind of like a self, like our self cleaning ovens. The heating up an oven, the gemara says, actually serves to kasher the oven. So the Gemara says, really, if that's true, then why do we, why do we say that you can't, uh, you can't kasher pots for Pesach? Why can't you just, uh, we just said that if you use fire, if you use the heat of an oven, you can kasher uh, even cheres. An oven is cheres. It can be kashered with fire. So why can't we kasher cheres? So the Gemara brings several approaches. One of the approaches is that it depends how the fire is applied. An oven, the, their ovens work. The fire was actually laid. The fire was built inside the oven. So the heat there, the, just like the fat was applied inside the oven, it was coated on the, the inside surface of the oven, the heat, the heat is applied to this the same way, the inside of the oven, that's a valid form of kashering, even cheres. But a pot, where we're at, the Pasuk and Pasha Sav says you can't kasher pots, pots have to be broken, that's because pots are typically, pots are typically the fire is applied from the outside, you put a pot on the stove, the fire is applied to the outside of the pot, that's not a good form of kashering, and therefore there is no solution to use the pot on Pesach. The Mara asked the obvious question, so if you really, why throw the pot away? So just build a fire inside the pot, just like you build a fire inside the oven, 
If the choice is throwing the pot away, why do that? Just build a fire inside the pot. If you're telling me that, that internal fires can kasher, so why can't you build a fire inside the pot? So the Gemara says, Chayas Elayu de Mispri. A person won't be, won't be able, he, he won't be willing to risk the pot, even though the alternative is throwing the pot away, but if we tell him that there's a protocol which involves putting a fire inside the pot, pots were not designed to, to, uh, to receive that kind of heat coming from inside. The pots weren't built for that, so the, the, fi- the fire on the inside could easily shatter the pot, so there's a concern that you won't do a proper job. You're, gonna, you're not going to let it get hot enough, you're not going to do it long enough, you're not going to do a proper thorough job, and therefore, we don't trust putting the fire inside the pot. When it comes to an oven, ovens were designed to have fires laid inside the oven. So there's no, there's no concern. This is what the oven is, is designed to do. So, of course, you'll build a proper fire and cash of the oven. But a pot which is not designed to have fires built inside the pots, we're afraid that you, they, they, we're afraid that you won't do a proper form of cashering. This principle is crucially important for cashering as well. Even that, this is applied by the postkim in many different contexts, even if you have a mode of kashering, which ought to work, the heat is sufficient, and the, the, the way the heat is applied, and, the, and everything about the kashering, uh, in principle, ought to be sufficient. In many cases, there's a concern, even though, if you, in theory, if you do it right, it'll work, but if the, if, the, if the process is dangerous, if the process can easily cause damage to the, to the equipment in question, to the, to the, to the vessels in question, we're, we're concerned you won't do a good job. And therefore, Chazal made, made Xera basically that they didn't trust you to kasher in certain cases where, the, where there's a concern that because of the, the danger and the risk of destruction, you won't, do a proper, you won't do a proper job. This is a major issue that comes up in industrial, industrial cashering. You're dealing with very expensive machinery, and some rabbi comes up with a, with a protocol that if we do it like this, we can kasher it. And if something goes wrong, if the machinery is not being operated in its standard uh, parameters, they can destroy the machinery. So post can worry about this. That even if in theory you think it'll work, but are, they, are you are you really going to make going to let it run and make sure everything gets hot enough and thorough enough when you know you could be risking tens of thousands or dollars or more of machinery? So that's a real concern. Post can raise in certain types of kasher. Yes. What about putting a hot liquid in, in the pot like you would normally kasher? Why wouldn't that be sufficient for the fire, especially if you can get the liquid to be as hot as the fire? So. The, re- the reason we can't kasher the pot using liquid like we do is because th- that's the principle that we derive from our pasha, that cheres is considered super absorbent and is hard to be decontaminated. How do you so, define cheres? So cheres is earthenware. Cheres is, we'll discuss in more detail, different types of earthenware, but cheres is earthenware, pottery as we call it. Uh, so the so cheres is, is particularly tough to kasher, the, the, that, as Rashi says in our pasha, because the fact the Torah told you break it and didn't give you any other solution of, of kashering like you normally do, the Torah is telling you that Cheres is particularly stubborn and hard to kasher. The Gemara in Zvachim is telling us there is, there is, there is in theory, a method that, kash, that works even for Cheres, the method of building fires directly inside the pot. But that we don't trust you to do properly because that, that's, that, that's such a high-risk procedure. We don't think you're going to do a good job. So, so is an oven considered Cheres? Made of Cheres? So the ovens in the Talmudic time were made of Cheres. Were typically, the Gemara mentions there is, there is such a thing as an oven of metal as well, but the... The, many ovens, perhaps most ovens in Talmudic times, were made of cheres. Our ovens, we'll discuss maybe as we go a little bit what, what our ovens are. We'll discuss modern materials soon. So these are the basic holdings of the Talmud as, as, as the rabbis interpreted the psukim in Parshas Tzav, that cheres is very stubborn, very hard to kasher. Earthenware is very hard to kasher. It, it easily absorbs. It does not, it's not easily decontaminated. It's not, it, it cannot easily be induced to give up all its contamination. 
Therefore, the regular means of kashering, what we call hagala, what we call hot water, and so on, do not work for cheres. The Gemara in Zvachim says there is a method that could work for cheres, but we don't trust you to do it properly in, in cases where it's not designed to be, to, to, to be, to be, uh, to be operated in those, in those conditions. We don't trust you to do it properly, and therefore there is, in, in practice, there is no way to kasher cheres. So what is cheres? So we just said cheres is spelled either ches reish sin or ches reish shin. In the, in, 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 in the actual biblical text, it's with a sin, kli cheres, ches reish sin, in rabbinic literature, it's something spelled with a samach, ches reish samach. Cheres is basically some form of earthenware. But there's lots of types of earthenware. Earthenware is a technology that's been around for thousands of years, and even the ancients, even thousands of years ago, there were all kinds of, uh, all kinds of skills developed, all kinds of methods for creating earthenware. In particular, there is a great debate in the postgame about porcelain. Porcelain is a type of earthenware which is uh, much smoother and is, has been vitrified and is not subject, does not absorb nearly as much as regular cheres. Wikipedia recognizes very clearly that cheres, what they call biscuit pottery, uh, unglazed, un, unvitrified pottery, is very absorbent. And one of the, one of the advantage of porcelain is that it is, uh, is, 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 is that it's done in a way that it's vitrified and therefore it's, uh, it's, less, absor- it's less absorbent. Porcelain is fired at a higher temperature than earthenware, so the body can vitrify and become non-porous. That's exactly what porcelain is. Porcelain is a less porous form of cheres. The There are also often glazes involved. The, the uh, ceramic glaze, Wikipedia discusses glazes. They say that the... They, they, they say that... They note that the gla- <coughs> glazes are used on porcelain... Glaze, glaze render, glazing renders earthenware impermeable to water, sealing the inherent porosity of biscuit earthenware. Lots of uh, unusual words, but the, the point is that, well, most of these words are common enough. Glazing, maybe we use more about donuts and earthenware, but, uh, you know, but glaze, glaze pottery is, is covered with some kind of glassy coating, some kind of vitreous coating on the surface of the earthenware. Earthenware, raw earthenware, biscuit earthenware, Unglazed earthenware is inherently very porous. If you glaze it, it becomes impermeable to water. So that's the, besides the fact that they're nice and they, they, they may be aesthetically more pleasing, but one of the key properties of, of glazing, of uh, vitrification, of porcelainification, of, is that the, the naturally very... So the, the, the porosity is what Chazal recognized, what the Torah recognizes by saying, Klicheres can't be kashered normally, it has to be broken. But we have these technologies of porcelain, of glazing, and so on, which render the cheres much less porous. Not porous at all, much less porous. So the, the question that's been debated for hundreds of years has been, what is the status of glazed cheres, of, or porcelain? Well, what is the status of these types of cheres? They are earthenware, but, they're, but, but they're, they're manufactured using processes which reduce or eliminate the inherent porosity of the, of the cheres. So one of the first posts to discuss this is the Knesset Dole. Ruchayim ben Venisti, the great Turkish posik of the 17th century. Ruchayim ben Venisti kicks off the discussion by writing as follows. He says, Minakaolam, the general custom, he lives in Turkey, but he says the general custom is that we use parpurish, which apparently is porcelain or something similar. We use this porcelain type of non porous, vitrified uh, pottery. We use this 
We don't worry if we, we, we don't worry about milchik and fleshik. If it was used for milchik, you can use it for fleshik. He said nishtamish bam legvina. You can ochel and basar. The reverse. We don't worry about iser. He says if it was used for iser, no problem. You have to wash it off, obviously, but the but no problem. If used for iser, you can use it for hetter. Doesn't need kashering. Everything is fine. He says because people consider porcelain, they consider it a form of glass, a form of klizuchuchis to shia v'loboa. Glass is, is, is described as being smooth and non-porous and, and not bolea, not absorbent, and therefore it's more lenient. The truth is, glass itself, there are three different opinions among the Rishonim what the status of glass is. Some say glass doesn't need kashering. You can, you can have uh, glass used for milk, fleshic, tray of kosher, wash it off, and it's as good as new. Doesn't need any, doesn't need any kind of kashering beyond a surface cleaning, and you're fine. Some say glass is treated like metal. It needs kashering. But, but it can be kashered. Some say glass is like charis. It absorbs and it doesn't, uh, it absorbs and it doesn't, uh, it can't be kashered at all. So there are a variety of opinions about, about, uh, about glass. The Shulchan Aruch, I believe, in the Svardim Paskin, that glass does not need kashering. That, uh, some of them might be machmed for Pesach, but the, the, the classic minig of glass, the Knesset Dola refers to here, is that glass does not need kashering. And therefore he says that the, the minig in his time was that people treated porcelain like glass, Glass does not need kashering. Porcelain does not need kashering. That was the minog that Knesset says in the 17th century. However, he gives one important caveat. He says that's as long as the, the vitrified surface, its integrity has not been damaged, he says, as long as it is uncracked and whole and, and therefore it's, the, it's sealed shut. However, he says, if your porcelain is cracked, if it's broken or cracked, he says, then you have a problem because... Once, once, once the inside of the porcelain is exposed, that's earthenware. The, the, the vitrification is a seal on the outside. But once, once the inside has been exposed to the food, then it absorbs. Then you're in trouble, he says. Then we treat it like charis, that, uh, that, 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 that you're toast. Once, you, uh, once it was used, once broken charis was used for, for food, it becomes usher, it becomes slashik, it becomes milchik, it becomes trape, and, and there's no solution. And he says that the... He says that was the minog that people treated... Porcelain, they did not require any kind of kashering. He doesn't say cleaning, but cleaning presumably you need. But beyond cleaning, beyond just making sure there's, not, there's no residue on the surface, that's fine. Wash it down well, and you're fine. Doesn't need to be kashered. Says the Knesset Gdol. I myself did write, he says, he refers to one of, his, uh, one, one of the other volumes of his Sefer. I myself did write that I personally do not use Hametzik porcelain on Pesach. I either get new porcelain or I get porcelain that was kept Pesachtik. I only use porcelain that was never used for chametz. So I'm telling you that the meaning of porcelain is to treat it non-absorbent, uh, that, that, that it's, uh, it's, it's non-porous, non-absorbent, so it's fine. So why do I use fresh porcelain for Pesach? He says because there is a tshuva of the Radvaz. The Radvaz, one of the great, uh, great postkim of Egypt, great Sephardic postkim of Egypt of the 16th century. The Radvaz says that experiment shows that even porcelain is porous. His experiment was a curious experiment, he says. He didn't do an experiment based on taste. He did an experiment based on weight. He says that porcelain that had had liquid poured into it and the liquid was poured out, it was weighed before and after. Even after the, the vessel was empty, he said, it could be shown to weigh more than it had weighed before, which indicates that it absorbed despite its apparently uh, glassy and shiny surface. Again, it's hard to know if the porcelain techniques in the time of the Radvaz were... Radvaz lived a century or so, a century and a half earlier than the Knesset and it's hard to know how whether all the techniques were the same or whether they were all dealing with exactly the same, uh, the same stuff, 
The Knesset Gdala assumes they were. He assumes that the, the porcelain kalim being discussed by the Radvaz were materially similar to his porcelain kalim. And he says, so the Radvaz does have this chumrah. The Radvaz does tell us this chumrah that porcelain does absorb and therefore requires kashering. He says, my compromise was, I only practiced this chumrah on Pesach, not the rest of the year. Even though, he says, logically there's no distinction, even though there are many areas in Halacha in which Pesach is more stringent than, uh, than all year, there are, there are a number of areas in Halacha where it's different, but in, in, with respect to the laws of kashering, the claims the Knesset Dola, there should be no difference. If we treat porcelain like cheres, it should be unkasherable even all year. If we treat porcelain like, like glass or like a, a non-porous, non-absorbent material, it shouldn't require kashering even for Pesach. There is no logical reason to distinguish between Pesach and all year round. In this context, he says, nevertheless, he, 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 his approach, as posting sometimes do, is to, you, you weigh various factors of logic, of minhag, of tradition, and you sometimes come out with compromises that may not be logically consistent, but you respect the tradition, you, you respect the logic, and you, and you find some, uh, some compromise between them, even though it's not strictly consistent, he says. Since there was, he says, a, a clear minhag, he seems to be saying, to use porcelain without kashering all year, for kosher, for tray, for, for, for milk, for meat. All year round, there was a clear minhag to use porcelain, Pesach, he has, a, he, has a, he has an authoritative precedent to the Radvaz. Not to do, or at, least, at least he says he has a Radvaz, he wants to be Choshesh for. So he's Machber on Pesach, and, and, and not all year round. And the truth is, the Knesset makes it sound like this is such a novel idea. There are many halachas, certainly in contemporary practice, there are many areas in Pesach in which we are simply much stricter, even if there's no logical distinction. In certain areas, there are actually logical distinctions between the standards of Pesach and other, other areas of Kashering but other areas of, uh, of kosher and, and, and non-kosher. But even with regard to things like this, the fundamental basic questions, is cheres absorbent, is porcelain absorbent or not, says the Knesset Dola, his practice is to be more machmer for Pesach, not to rely on koshering porcelain for Pesach, to use only fresh or pesach porcelain on Pesach. But all year round, he, he treats it as non-absorbent, and he is... And he has no problem uh, with the minog of going from fleshik to milchik, from treif to kosher, no problem. Other Achronim were not happy with this treatment of porcelain. The Chida, Rechaim Yosef Dov Razulai, the great Svardik Postik of two centuries ago, he mentions the Knesset Gdala, and then he says, the Minog today, he says, the Knesset Gdala tells us the Minog in his time was to treat Cheres as kasherable, certainly all year round. Says the Chida, the Minog in our time, he says, is to treat porcelain as Cheres and non kasherable and this is a major machlokis. We are generally machmer, we, we, we generally do not kasher Cheres, but we certainly, in, in all else being equal, without, without other considerations, we do not kosher porcelain. We do not kosher cheres. We do not kosher porcelain. Earthenware, china, and so on are generally not koshered. There are, however, as we'll see soon, there are some cases in which poskim are more lenient. Commonly, when we have additional considerations for leniency and questions of great need, great loss, great need, as we'll see, there are some leniencies. But in general, certainly the, the basic holding of the Talmud is raw cheres, biscuit cheres, is not kasherable, except for special methods involving fire, which we generally don't do. And, the, and porcelain was a machlokist, there were different minhagim, but today the minhag is like the chidah, that we do not kasher cheres. So now no, we do not kasher porcelain either, even though it's, uh, it's glassy and, uh, and vitrified and so on, we do not kasher cheres, or even porcelain. The question now becomes, what do we do about modern synthetic materials? Plastic, the obvious, uh, the obvious example. 
what is the halacha of kashering plastic? There is obviously nothing in the Talmud and the early posting about kashering plastic because there was no plastic. Plastic is a 20th century thing. So the question is, what do we do about plastic? So poskim in the 20th, from the 20th century and on have gone back and forth about plastic. Ramosha Feinstein has a remarkably strict view. Ramosha Feinstein had, discusses it in this, this, question, this question, related questions of porcelain and plastic and in various chuvas. In one chuva, he was asked about rubber. Can you cash a rubber? Can you do, can you do hagala on rubber kalim, rubber tubing and a rubber? Can you cash a rubber kalim? So he writes, real rubber, rubber comes from the rubber tree. Real rubber, he says, has a status of wood. We haven't been discussing wood tonight, but wood is in the lenient category. Wood is like metal. Wood can be kashered. You have to, in practice, you have to avoid cracks and other things, but <coughs> in practice, a wooden bowl, wood can be kashered. Says Ramosha, rubber comes from a rubber tree. Rubber has the status of wood. Rubber is kasherable. However, Ramosha says, one line, Ramosha tosses out a tremendous, tremendous chumrah. He says, some rubber is synthetic. They began to develop te- technology to develop synthetic rubber. Says Ramosha, rubber is made from chemicals, minim chemium, rubber is made synthetically out of chemicals, he says. So what's the status of kalim made from chemicals, he says? It is a dover chadash, it is a novel thing. We don't find this in the, in the, in the, in the, in the words of the Kadmonim, they, they don't discuss synthetic, uh, synthetic new materials. Ein lahatir lagilam, we cannot kasher new materials, we cannot kasher synthetic materials. One line, Ramosha throws out this, uh, throws out this bombshell. Rabbi Chaim Jachter, whose comments on this topic we'll discuss in more detail soon, he says, he, he points out the irony of this. He says that the, he says that, he says that, 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 that with regard to plastic, he says, he says, Ramosha says that it's new and it's not addressed in the classic sources, one may not kasher it. He says, Rabbi Jachter dryly notes, Ramosha's approach to this question is quite surprising especially in view of the fact that the Igris Moshe is replete with applications of halacha to an incredibly wide variety of issues. Ramosha was not shy about applying halacha to novel cases. Okay, for, for whatever reason, he says, Ramosha took a very, very uh, strict view here. Ramosha said that we don't cash our synthetics because, because uh, that, that, that's, what Ramosha, that's what Ramosha held. There is a major leniency here. Rav Shimon Eider, uh, one, one of the great disciples, followers of Ramosha, Rav Shimon Eider writes, he, he had one of the classic early modern halacha compendiums on Pesach. His, his Hilchas Pesach was one of the early classics of the genre. Mm-hmm. Works of practical halacha written to be uh, accessible and digestible, digestible to the general public. And he writes that Ramosha did, do, does allow plastic to be kashered year-round, just not for Pesach. This tshuva, he says, Ramosha was referring to Pesach specifically, Apparently, says Rabbi Jachter, this is another of many examples of Chumrah Dechametz, a special Pesach stringency. That's what we saw earlier in the Knesset Dola, that the Knesset Dola did the same thing. He split the baby with regard to porcelain, even though he said in principle there's no real difference. If it's cheres, he can't kasher it all, all year round. If it's, if it's non-porous, he can kasher it for Pesach. But the Knesset Dola says, because I have a radvaz and I have a minag, I'll be machmer just for Pesach. And, and it says Rabbi Jachter, based on Rabbi Eider, Based on Rav Shimon Eider, the Ramosha took the same position as they understand him with respect to plastic. Ramosha would allow plastic to be kashered year-round, but he would not allow plastic to be kashered for Pesach. Notwithstanding Ramosha, there were other poskim who were more lenient for plastic. Certainly all year-round, maybe even Pesach. Rebichel Yaakov Weinberg in the Sri Deish 
The Sri Dei Aish says he addressed, so Ramosha was addressing some kind of synthetic rubber. Sri Dei Aish directly addresses plastic. He says that, can you kasher plastic? He says the minog is to kasher plastic. That's the minog, which he seems to endorse. The minog is to kasher plastic. He says plastic is like glass, just as we saw that the Knesset Dolo said porcelain is like glass. Sri Dei Aish says plastic is like glass. It's non-porous. He says glass is a machlokus. We find several shitas. The Shulchan Aruch, he says, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that glass is, uh, that, that we're lenient about glass. The glass is, does, not, does, not, does not require kashering. You can just wash it off and you're done. The Ramah is machmer. The Ramah does say that, uh, that, 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 that we're more machmer on, that, 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 that we don't kasher glass, that, that, we, that we treat glass as cheres. At least with regard to Pesach. I believe some say the Ramah is machmer on glass only for Pesach, not all year round. But we are more machmer for glass. Says this three day A, she says, that the certainly you need Hagala. We're not going to be Mekil totally to say to say that you uh, to say that, that you don't need kashering at all. He says, but he says the he says but Lamaisa he agree he agrees with his correspondent that plastic can be kashered, but it should be kashered the way you kasher other kalim, metal kalim, wood kalim. You kasher it the way you kasher normally with water with whatever it is. You kasher it the same way with boiling water. That it can be kashered, though it does not have the it does not have the stringency of does not have the stringency of cheres. Minchas Yitzchak, Dayan Weiss in Eretz Yisrael, he says he was asked by Rabim v'chein Shleiman. Many people need to know this question: Can you kasher plastic? He has a long discussion about it. He generally assumes that that plastic is not cheres. Plastic it can be kashered in principle. However, what he's concerned about is the concern we saw in the Gemara that things which are fragile and are not durable and can be easily damaged during the cashering process, then we don't trust you to cashier properly, and therefore we say that you should not cashier them. So his conclusion, therefore, is that we don't... Uh, you're going to take your plastic. Plastic is not that durable, he says. You're going to take your plastic, you're going to stick it in boiling water, you know, it'll melt, it'll, it'll fall apart. Maybe you'll put it in very quickly. You won't, you, won't, you won't put it in long enough. You won't dip it in totally, he says. You, you won't get the water hot enough, he says. It, he, says he says he assumes that plastic in principle is kasher, is kasherable, like, like the three days. In practice, though, he does not recommend kashering it if you can avoid it because of this concern that Chazal didn't trust you to do a thorough job when, the, when there's a danger of losing the kale. He says he has a variety of other, he has a variety of other variations on this theme, but he says that the he says b'shasad chak, but b'makom b'diavad. He says in in, in certain b'shasad chak or b'diavad, in certain cases it can be more lenient. We can rely on kashering the way you kasher normally. So in so in principle, he in principle he felt it could be kashered. He was willing to allow at least in some circumstances the possibility of kashering it. In general, he felt it should uh, it's better not to try to kasher plastic. He says you know, to buy used kalim from non-Jews, you buy, buy used uh, plastic kalim on eBay, he says, well, better not to do that because the, 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 the chance of cashering them is not, uh, the, the, chance of ca- the, the possibility of cashering them is not, is not, that, uh, not that simple, he says, you better not get into the shayla, preferable not to buy used plastic kalim. Tzitzeliezer, Eliezer, who's a Waldenberg, also has a true, long chuva on plastic, he also feels, like the Minchas Yitzchak, like the Sri Deish, not like Ramosha, he also feels that plastic is kasherable. He says, kasher it the way, the, the way it was used. 
He says, if, if you're worried that boiling water, he, he mentioned Mechasiyat's concern that if you really require boiling water, they can't really tolerate such hot temperatures. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll be chayis, maybe you won't leave it in long enough, he says. So he, he gives other solutions, other methods of kashering as well, to, to, to have multiple means of kashering, and so on. But, but in principle also, like the Mechasiyat's he feels that at least in principle, plastic is kasherable. So that's the opinion of a number of poskim, that plastic actually is kasherable. Although, again, Ramosha felt that synthetics were not, that, that at least for Pesach, synthetic, synthetic materials cannot be kashered, and therefore, therefore uh, one should try to try L'Chachila to avoid having to rely on kashering plastic. Rabbi Jachter, I mentioned, has a, uh, has a long discussion of our topic. He brings from Rav Salavechik. He says that, he says, Shabbos HaGadol is usually Parshas Tzav, which is apropos, he says, because Parshas Tzav has these psukim of klicheres and klinachoshes, which, are, which, are, which, which, are, which allude to some of the fundamental rules of kashering. And therefore, it's the Cesare Jachter for his share for, for, for Parshas Tzav. He's going to discuss kashering dishwashers. The specific question of kashering dishwashers, kashering dishwashers is a complex topic, and please don't go, go leave tonight and act on uh, whatever, I, whatever I say tonight. But kashering dishwashers brings together a number of different aspects of the laws of kashering, a number of which are beyond the scope of our talk tonight. But we're going to focus on the question of the materials used in the dishwasher. Dishwashers can have any of the following materials. They can have metal, they can have ceramics, and they can have plastic. So in light of our discussion tonight, we have to figure, the, 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 one of the crucial questions of kashering a dishwasher is, for Pesach or all year round, is what materials do you find in your dishwasher? Is it, coated, is it, is it, is it metal? Is it, is it ceramic? Even if it's metal, what about hoses, which can be rubber or plastic and gaskets and drains and so on? So how do you kashu, can you kashu a dishwasher for Pesach? Says Rabbi Jachter, dishwasher interiors are generally speaking coated with porcelain, metal, or plastic. These are three separate questions. He begins by discussing the, what we've discussed tonight, the, the, the laws of, of kashering charis. You generally can't. The laws of kashering, uh, laws of kashering the metal. Uh, metal you can't. Porcelain you can't. The, the well, charis you can't. Porcelain is a question. We'll discuss in a moment. And the synthetics is a question. Says Ray Jackter, porcelain dishwashers, Porcelain is a machlokas, he says. We, we, as we mentioned, we have the Knesset Dola, we have the Chida. Porcelain is a machlokas. So, he says, the, he brings it to Tzitzel Yezer. Lots of ink has been spilled trying to argue that porcelain is non-porous and therefore doesn't even need to be kashered. The consensus is opposite extreme. Porcelain is like earthenware and it cannot be kashered. So, porcelain dishwasher would seem to be a problem. So... Can you kasher a porcelain dishwasher? So the, the Dark Echuva, when he brings the different opinions about porcelain, he says that in a case of great loss, Hefson Maruba, we can, we, we can use the lenient views of porcelain as at least one, one, one prong and a multi-pronged approach to being lenient. If we have other leniencies, in addition to the, the fact that it's porcelain and it's a, it's a case of great loss, then there's basis for leniency. Ramosha Feinstein has a chuva he brings. Someone buys a home, common situation, buys a home, non-kosher dishwasher. If you have to throw away the dishwasher and replace it, that's a significant loss. That's at least what Ramosha claimed. I don't know what year this was written, how much dishwashers cost. Today, you know, they start at a couple hundred bucks for a, uh, for a, you know, for a hundred, a couple hundred bucks for a cheap dishwasher. At least in Ramosha's time, he viewed the loss of a dishwasher as a as, as significant loss. 
and therefore he allowed kashering a he allowed kashering the dishwasher and with porcelain dishwashers and he had a combination of three halachic leniencies. We have first we have porcelain itself. Some say porcelain is like metal which can be kashered. There's also an opinion of the Balha Eater, the Sefer Eater, who says that there is a way to kasher even porcelain involving uh, doing it three times, that that, that works. Again, why, what, why then did the Torah say you have to break the klicheres if there was a solution of doing it three times? That's a question we have to address. We're not going to do that tonight. But the Eater says if you kasher three times, that that works. That's a minority view. We, we, we don't rely on that lechachila, but that's one other grounds for leniency. Third leniency is a tshuva of the Chacham Tzvi. The Chacham Tzvi says that when 12 months have elapsed from, from, from the use of the keli, whatever bleas are there, whatever absorbed material is there, just disintegrates and degrades to a point where it's not halachically significant. Therefore, he says that the... Therefore, he says it's Afra Ba'alma. Says Ramosha, when you know, posts can disagree about this, Chacham Tzvi, how, how much weight to give it, whether to dismiss it out of hand or to take it seriously. Says Ramosha... When you have the fact that porcelain, some say, is not cheres at all. And, and the Chacham Tzvi says after 12 months, you can kasher cheres. And the Eater says you can kasher cheres if you do it thrice. Therefore, you can kasher a porcelain dishwasher, if, and, it's hefsed, and it's a major hefsed, to throw away the dishwasher would be a great loss. Therefore, you can kasher the dishwasher, Moshe ruled. He, he, he did write, however, that he, he, in another tshuva, he says he only ruled this way for all year round, not for Pesach. For, uh, for Pesach, we're much more stringent. He says, again, I, I'm not even sure why, why you have to say we're more stringent on Pesach. Ramosh himself was only Mekel because, of hef- because it was a great Hefzid. Not having your dishwasher for Pesach, you're not going to throw it away. You just won't use it for Pesach. So I don't know, that, that's not really a Hefzid. I mean, it's a Hefzid to have to do all the dishes by hand, maybe, but I, I, I don't know if Ramosh would have considered that enough of a Hefzid to, to be Mekel. I'll call upon him Halacha Ramosha did allow, at least in the case of loss, did allow kashering a porcelain dishwasher in part, part of his hetter was based on the, the sheet of the poskim that porcelain is not really cheres because it's vitrified and non-absorbent and glassy and so on. He wouldn't have been some on that by, by itself, but with other tiru from Lahalacha and the fact that it's a, that it's a case of hefsid, so Ramosha was willing, and it's not for Pesach, Ramosha was willing to allow the kashering of the dishwasher, but he was, uh, but he was, he was, he was willing to allow b'machem hefsid, the kashering of a porcelain dishwasher, Rabbi Jachter brings, he brings a report. Rabbi Yosef Adler says that Rav Salavechik did not agree with Ramosha. Rav Salavechik said, you cannot kasher a porcelain dishwasher, full stop, not even all year round, not even if there's monetary loss involved, it doesn't matter. Rav Salavechik held porcelain should be treated as simply and absolutely non kasherable. And there. Um, I don't know. Rabbi Jackter doesn't. This is apparently an oral tradition he's reporting. I, I, I don't know if uh, if he if if, the, if if he specifically asked about twelve months, but it sounds like under no circumstances. But I'm not sure, so I don't know. Now, getting back to dishwashers, so that's porcelain dishwashers. What about the? So another reason not to kasher dishwashers. This is not our topic tonight. Not not our focus tonight. Another reason some postcom said you shouldn't kasher dishwashers, any dishwashers, even metal ones is because they're very hard to clean properly. There are all kinds of crevices and little things where the chametz get stuck and so on. All right, so that, 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 that's another issue, even metal dishwashers, that's a, that's a separate issue. But getting back to our topic tonight, which is the, the material science of different materials, cheres is the worst, porcelain is a question, plastic, many posts are lenient. So what do we do with the dishwasher with regard to plastic? So Rebajakta brings Ramosh's tshuva, that we don't kasher synthetic materials, Ramosh was very strict, remarkably strict. 
Ramosha was only machmer, we said, with regard to, to all year round, not for Pesach. And also, Rabbi Jackter notes, there were posts who were much more lenient about, uh, about kashering plastic. Rav Shimon Eider brings Rav Hankin. Rav Hankin said, you don't even need a kasher plastic. It's like glass, according to the lenient view. It doesn't absorb at all. Rav Hankin's view is a, is a minority opinion, but many post can be well, says... There are many different kinds of plastics that are harder than others. Yes, that's a good point. I, I was wondering a little bit about that myself. The question is, you know, plastic is a remarkably versatile technology. There are so many different kinds of plastics that have so many different properties. Can we really, can we really classify all, all plastics in the same category? They're all either super absorbent, like Keres, or regular absorbent, like, like metal, or non-absorbent, like glass. Can't we distinguish between different types of plastics? That's a good question, and in the, in the limited survey of the sources I saw tonight, I didn't find them making this distinction, but I certainly think that that's a, that's a, a prima facie, a plausible point, and, I, and I, I would have to look further to see if any postkim uh, bring up such a possibility. There are postkim who allow kashering plastic, not like Ramosha, even for Pesach. Ramosha didn't allow kashering plastic, at least for Pesach. There are postkim who allowed kashering plastic, even for Pesach. Tzitzeliezer, we mentioned earlier, says you can kasher plastic. He felt it was like ordinary materials, and even for Pesach. Rabbi Jachter brings Rabbi Gedalia Felder, also one of the great postkim of the couple of generations ago, said, at least in a case of need, he was willing to be lenient on koshering plastic. These postkim say earthenware is a special category. Earthenware is limited to actual earthenware. The Torah says cheres, cheres is cheres. Plastic is not cheres. He brings the three days and so on. Three days doesn't distinguish between Pesach and non-Pesach. He brings Rav Yaakov Reich, the Rav Weinberg's uh, Swiss compatriot. Chalchis Yaakov also said you can kasher plastic. Menachas Yitzchak, and so on. So many poskim do say that even plastic can be kashered even for Pesach. So, so the, basically the, the metal dishwasher is the most lenient because metal can certainly be kashered. The only, the only question you're left is, is with the practical questions of is it practical to kosher a dishwasher? Or other st- does stuff get stuck in the corners? Does the water get hot enough and reach all the appropriate places when you kosher it? So there are technical issues of koshering dishwashers, but a metal dishwasher can in principle be koshered. But usually uh, the metal has a plastic part right. like for the silverware. Right, that was the last part I was going to say. Right. You have racks. He says that the, he, he discusses racks. Right. So Rejactor adds, he says that Ramosha allowed koshering a plastic dishwasher, a porcelain dishwasher in the case of Hafsid. But he said the rack should be replaced. I mean, the racks you can't kosher. But Rabbi Jackter says that someone who lived in Brookline, Massachusetts, told him that Rosalovechik permitted koshering porcelain dishwashers for Pesach, even without changing the racks. Why he wasn't concerned about the racks, why he was not concerned about the racks, uh, I don't know. But the Ramosha apparently, but that, 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 that Ramosha apparently was concerned with, uh, with the racks, Rosalovechik was not. We seem to have a contradiction with regard to porcelain dishwashers because previously Rabbi Jackter said that Rabbi Yosef Adler told him that Rosalovechik held that porcelain dishwashers cannot be koshered at all, even for non-Pesach use. And here, here he says somebody else told him that Rosalovechik consistently permitted members of his shul to kosher porcelain-coated dishwashers even for Pesach, even without changing the racks. So Rav Salvechik, we have various oral traditions, as we have, as we have with many aspects of Rav Salvechik's thought and holdings. People disagree about what Rav Salvechik actually held. Ramosha was lenient about dishwashers in cases of need all year round, not for Pesach. Uh, that's even porcelain dishwashers. Metal dishwashers are the most lenient. We do have to address questions of racks and hoses and gaskets and so on. Pla- porcelain dishwashers are in between, because porcelain dishwashers 
we generally treat porcelain as cheres, despite the fact that there was, there was a machlokas and there were different menhagim, we generally treat porcelain as a variety of cheres. It is, after all, earthenware, even though it's been vitrified and so on. However, there, there, there is a good argument that it's not cheres, and therefore some poskim were lenient, either all year round, or maybe even on Pesach, some, some poskim were lenient to kasher porcelain dishwashers. As I said, in practice, there are many, many different opinions about this. There are questions of how much loss we're talking about. So in practice, before doing anything with a dishwasher, one should consult his halachic authority.